Many times we use the Bible as a conversation ender, but really Jesus wants it to be a conversation starter. He wants us to engage in relationships, not as people who know it all, not as people who who, who put the line in the sand, who draw it out and just say, you know, this is it, this is above, this is, there's nothing else after this. He says, I actually want you to start conversations with people, not end them. If you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be here for just a few minutes this morning. Romans chapter 12, page number 945. I'd like to, you know, just so you can see what's going on there. If you're new today, that's our gift to you. If you are here every week, that's so you know we're not making this stuff up. And it's in the Bible. So page number 945, uh, Romans chapter 12. And uh, that'll be on the screen in a second for all you guys who um, need to see that. And uh, yeah, we're just going to be hanging out there for just a little bit today. And then we're going to see some baptisms in a little bit. And so basically, I'm just the appetizer for the dinner, because that's so much cooler uh, than any spoken word, really, when Jesus just uh, now, when, when we can see changed lives like that is so cool. So Romans chapter 12. What if I told you um, that literally every religion in the world shared just one command? Literally every religion in the entire world does share one, uh, one command. So whether it, you're Hindu or Buddhist or Muslim or Christian or Jewish or Sikh or wherever, whatever it is, this rule exists in every single religion. And it's, it's one that we probably have etched on every pillow in our house. And it's the golden rule. And this is what it says in Matthew 7. It says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law of the, in the prophets. So this is Jesus saying to this audience, like literally everything that you know about your Bible, if you would do this, you would apply every element of it. And, and the golden rule really is found in every religion. But here's the, the one thing that separates Christianity from all other religions. It's just, it's just like there's thousands of things, but there's one thing regarding this one. Every other religion, they announce this golden rule in, uh, in a negative way or in a kind of a uh, isolating way. They say instead of do to others, they say don't do to others whatever you would not like them to do to you. It's a negative kind of a removal. It's an isolation of sorts that allows this sort of thing to take place. So don't do to others. But what Christianity invites us into is a doing to others, a serving, a reaching out, a, a kind of like opening of the hand, a, an extension to the other person. So we don't live our life sort of like with a barrier or a boundary of any sort. We live our life with an extension of our hand so that we can serve and do. And so, well, of course, whenever I think about this sort of a, a concept, I look through this and I, I just think, okay, what did I do this week that lived this out? Right, like, what did I, what did I do this week? I, I always like, you know, just look through my last week. I'm like, all right, if I needed to multiply my behavior, what behavior would I not multiply, <laughs> right? Because every one of us have weeks where we don't do this well. But this is Jesus' central invitation to you: is we can do to others what other, what, what, what we'd like them to do to us. And so, instead of a life of removal and isolation and separation, we actually can live a life of extension and moving towards and being for and loving in a way that perpetuates the goodness of God's creation. Because here's the thing, this is the week, this is what we studied last week, this is what we're gonna study the next few weeks, is this one central truth that Christians are actually called to treat people right, not to be right. 
Christians, our central call is to treat people right no matter what instead of being right. And, and there are times where you have to contend and there are times that you have to draw lines and there are things that Jesus definitely doesn't stand for and things that he definitely does, but he's always calling us to first and foremost treat people right, not to be right. And so there's this little text in Romans 14 that's gonna teach us how to do, Romans 12, sorry, that's gonna teach us a little bit about this. And, and so uh, the, the book of Romans is written by a man named Paul. He's just one of the leaders of the church in the first century. And, and what he does is, is in chapters one through four is he extends out, kind of teaches out us that there is a, a disease that every human has and it's disease of sin. And there's nothing you can do to heal yourself from this disease. The only thing that you can really do is trust in Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. And that if you would trust it, that, that you begin to heal from this disease of sin. And, and, and wrote chapters five through 11 talks about the implications. Like if you were to really believe this, if you actually were to trust in Jesus's life, death, and resurrection for you and begin to be healed, like here's what all that would happen, things like th- the ways that it would apply and imply things in your life. And then from 12 through 14, he begins to talk about applications, about ways that we can express and extend this new reality of our soul, new reality of our heart. What would it begin to look like in a world if we actually did trust that Jesus was the Lord over our life? If we actually did announce that with our hearts, announce that with our mouth, announce that with our life, what would it begin to look like if we did that. And so we find our text right in the middle of that application section. But every single time I, I kind of bump into a verse like this where there's a lot of things that we can do. It's very easy to read this paragraph and begin to heap shame upon ourselves because let's face it, we don't do a whole lot of it all the time. But the trust is not in our good work. It's not in our, in our ability to perform this text, but it's in our ability to be empowered by Christ to become a type of person that extends what's in this text. And so our invitation is not to try harder and do more, but to rest and trust in Christ so that he can shape you to be the type of person that is respectful in nature, that is absolutely centered in a world that wants to pull us to either pole. And so this is what Romans 12 is gonna teach us today. Verse 14 says this, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Come on, can I get an amen? That's such a funny little verse in there. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And so the invitation today is gonna be to live in harmony with other people. And Paul's going to teach us a few ways to do that. The first one he says is, is to bless those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Now we have to, just a real quick thing, like a lot of times we have to understand that, that many of the things that we face in the United States that we might label persecution um, is in fact like not persecution. Can we like be on that like level today, right? There are things that we think we're being persecuted for, but then you think that there are thousands of people all around the world that are literally putting their lives in danger for expressing a certain faith, 
right? So there are things here that we think are persecution, but really we're just feeling pressure in different ways, and they're not, it's, it's really not. And so one of the ways that I think that we can engage in this conversation on blessing those who persecute you is actually to acknowledge that some of the things that we do aren't, some of the things that we experience really aren't persecution. And we can drive all of our prayer and attention and energy to, to people that are losing their lives, like our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka a couple weeks ago. We can, we can bless those who, who persecute by, by taking our attention and drawing our prayer to that situation in many cases. Now, there are times when you experience some sort of a, a, re, a refuting of, of yourself because of your belief. And in that moment, Jesus invites you to not respond and react and engage, but to actually bless. And it's not the type of bless where you're like, I'm just gonna pray for you. Right? Have you ever done that? Like, like every kid on the playground? Like, all right, yeah, I'll just, I'm going to pray for you. No, but he's actually inviting us to, to legitimately honor them and to bless them and say, you know what? There's a God who's much bigger than me. His providence has this whole thing wrapped around his whole, he has his whole hands wrapped around this and I'm going to trust him. He says, I want you to bless those. And that's a reversal of your heart. That's something only Jesus can do to your heart, right? Left to our own accord, we would definitely respond, definitely react, definitely engage. But Jesus invites us to actually lay all that down at the foot of the cross. So he says, bless those who persecute you. The next thing he says is, I want you to be connected to people. Look what he says here. He says, I want you to be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Some of those extensions in the world, some of the things that we do that when we think about our relationships, when was the last time you were able to enter into someone's joy or enter into someone's pain and actually engage their relationship, actually engage that person in their high spot or in their low spot? He says, I want you to be connected. Don't be so removed from people that their highs and their lows don't have any effect over your heart. I want you to be strong in relationship and be strong in who you are so that you can continue to live out the way of Christ. And so I want you to be connected to people all the time. So I want you to build harmony that way. So then he says in verse 16, I want you to live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. I mean, how many times, how many of us are guilty of kind of picking and choosing who we uh, spend time with based off some sort of a status in their life, right? I mean, so often for me, I'll just announce that by myself in here this morning. I don't care. That's cool. I do that all the time. And, and I have to confess that, and I have to allow Jesus to heal me from that. Because don't, don't worry about that. Don't, don't worry about that. He says, I want you to engage the people all, the, all over the place, and I want you to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I love that, because you know what? I'm ordinary. I'm just an ordinary person. And I just think about my family. I think about all the things happening. I'm just an ordinary person. And we are ordinary people. He says, I want you to spend time with people like that. I don't want you to think you know it all. Because here's the deal. I, I think, and I'm so convicted about this often, is, is, is many a times we use the Bible as a conversation ender, but really Jesus wants it to be a conversation starter. He wants us to engage in relationships, not as people who know it all, not as people who, who, who put the line in the sand, who draw it out and just say, you know, this is it, this is above, this is, there's nothing else after this. He says, I actually want you to start conversations with people, not end them. And so don't, don't interact with people like you know it all. Have you, I don't know if it, I got, man, I got like no time here, but like, do, has anyone ever done like a 360 degree evaluation at work? 
I, probably only me. In the it, 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 probably it's terrible. It's like the worst thing in the entire world. It sounds exactly like it's supposed to. Like like it goes around in, in a circle of people above you, underneath you, to your side, and they 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 do an evaluation on your performance and your personality. It's like a root canal only in person at work. And uh, and uh, and I remember I took one of these at a, at a job that I had, and someone like there was like one of the lar- like one of the thing like the the biggest fee- pieces of feedback was actually like Brandon thinks he knows everything, and I'm like. All right, sweet. <laughs> uh, let's pray about that. And then that's something that, that pops its head in every once in a while. But it turns into this idea. I don't think you know it all. Just don't be a conversation ender. Be a conversation starter. Be a, be a type of person that allows and perpetuates this type of conversation. And so he says, I want you to build harmony this way. Then he continues. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. I want you to treat people with honor. Like, what would it look like for you to actually deposit this type of thing into someone's life? If you don't know it all, right, and you treat everyone as if they had the image of God, you'd constantly be saying, it's, it's, it's not just encouragement, but it's actually honoring them. I'm going to praise you publicly. I'm going to engage, you, engage your heart with edification. Acknowledge the fact that you are built and you are wired with God's good creation. You are wired in God's image and God loves you with inherent worth and value. It's not just this, this moment of like, hey, you know what? Good job, you got it, go for it. But it's a public honoring of how you feel about that. I want you to honor people with how you live. Honor people with your words. And he continues, right? He says, I want you, if you want to build harmony with someone, I want to do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. When was the last time you decided, I'm going to take, do whatever it takes to live in peace with person, I'm going to t- with with people. I'm going to wear it on my shoulders. I'm going to wear it on my back. I'm going to do. I'm going to go low so that in order for everything else to be taken care, of, I'm going to do that so I can live in peace with someone. That would revolutionize your marriage. It would revolutionize your workplace. It, like you don't have to walk past that per- same person. That, like dread walking past the same person uh, in your workplace every single day. Isn't it the Lord's providence that the person that you like the, like the least is the person you got to walk by every single day to get to your cubicle? Like isn't that the case? Like just Lord's providence in that. So I want you to. He said, I want you to do whatever it takes to live in peace with everybody. So then he continues. He says, dear friends, never take revenge. I love this part. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Don't you, don't you when you hear this, don't you like shudder? You're like, oh man, I will leave it to the righteous anger of God. He says, I want you to take revenge. You know, I don't want you to send that text message. I don't want you to post it on Facebook. I don't want you to send that, you know, that messenger private message thing because that's private until someone screenshots it and posts it on Facebook anyway. Can I get an amen, right? I don't want you to do that. Because what you're doing is you're taking it into your hands and I want you to trust that I have it all taken care of. In fact, in one part of the Bible, he's talking in Exodus and he says, I want, you to, I want you to stay still so I can fight for you. What would it look like to be a type of person that lets God fight for you? He says, I don't want you to take revenge. I don't want you to drill that hole. I don't want you to cause separation any more than it is. I want you to trust me. I just want you to act in a certain way that no matter what, it causes relationship and joy and peace and hope and healing. Don't take revenge. The last point he says here real fast, he says, don't, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Conquer evil by doing good. 
So I don't want you to leave it as it is and, like, and continue to perpetuate this, this narrative of polarity. What I want you to do is I want you to serve in the middle of it. Yeah, someone says, you see something super evil. You see something crazy. You, you know, you can either perpetuate that brokenness all the more by your action, or you could actually deposit some sort of goodness into the world in the midst of that hole. Just be like a holy type of pothole filler. Can I get an amen? That was like, that was an amazing illustration right there. I want you to be that type of person. Don't cause it to more harm. Be the type of person that deposits good. And so there's just two questions that I have for you that might help you apply this today. Number one is how can you fight for the relationship? How can I fight for the relationship? Look, look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. This is how he fights for the relationship in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, even though I'm a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. He says, I try to find the common ground with everyone so I can lead some to Christ. Do we do that? See, here's what I think we do often is, is we, we flee from the how or the what instead of fighting for the who. Instead of fighting for the, when something happens or there's some viewpoint that surfaces or there's something that takes place, some sort of brokenness, some sort of story or narrative that happens, something that's like a speed bump in the, in the way of life. Sometimes we flee from the who because of the what they believe in or the how they want to get it done. But what would it look like for you to actually fight for the who, for the fight for the relationship, to actually engage with them in a way that brings healing and, and fights for that relationship so to stay whole? See, many times what we do is we perpetuate the same, we react to that same anxiety and it causes more and more separation, more and more awkwardness and more and more craziness. He says, what would it look like for you to do that and fight for the who? Lastly, the second question here is in this scenario, do I need to contend or contextualize? In this scenario, do I need to contend or contextualize. There are things that, that God would actually draw a line on, and we need to contend for those things. And there are actually things that we have to contextualize. We have to say things, we have to, instead of contending for things that cause more and more separation, we actually have to say, you know what, this isn't going to hurt, and if I engage with this a little bit, I'll be able to build a relationship that brings people closer to Christ. So many times though, Christians, what we do is we contend about the things that we should have never contended about and we lose our influence on things that we could contextualize over. Are we tracking on that? There's just like the Pharisees. What the Pharisees did is they didn't, they, they, around the Sabbath, they were around any law, they drew lines so that they would never break the law. They drew all these barriers so that they could stay far and far and far away. And it became way more about following rules than it ever did about the law, the heart of the law that was created. 
with the Sabbath, he wanted them to trust in the rest of Christ, trust in the rest that God had it all taken care of. He's the creator over everything. And it became more about not walking a certain amount of steps so that you didn't break the law instead of resting in the heart that God has for the world. We do that all the time. We draw lines around things that we should have never drew lines on and we fight over those things and then we lose our influence over things that we can contextualize. But the truth of the matter is there are values that we can draw lines on. Now, I'm not gonna go from you know, social view to theology to all these different, there's all plenty of different things and I know you all probably want me to just kind of list off, make a list of values right now. I'm not gonna do that. Because here's the thing is I, I think everyone's got different ways to settle on those things. Everyone's got different viewpoints and different values on many different social issues, on many different theological issues, on many different things. But in this moment, do I need to fight for that or do I need to fight for the relationship? And there are many times where God draws the line and we have to say, yeah, that's the line. But how do I fight for the relationship in the midst of that? How do I stay centered in a world that desperately wants to pull you to one side or the other. This is what Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews will say it this way. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And so there's this way of peace that we need to have with everybody. You're not always right and you're, you need to be a conversation starter, not a conversation ender. But then there's this holiness that there is this barrier. There are things that are, we're separated from that we don't engage. We're gonna get more into that next week. But we have to have both. We have to have a peace with everyone with a holiness that does announce the way of Jesus. Do I need to contend or do I need to contextualize? And here's the last little point on this. Never let your political beliefs inform your theology. Always let your theology inform your politics. And you'll find out that you're more centered than you thought. As you move through the Bible and you ask what God might think about a certain topic, you're gonna realize you're more centered than you thought you were. Because God is always in the, in the business of pulling people together, restoring people, so that they can see new life right here in the midst of this one. 